Happy Christmas, one and all, and welcome to a very special festive bonus episode of Trees A Crowd. For the past year, I have been exploring the secrets and the stories beneath the 56-ish native trees of the British Isles. But today, as it is Christmas, I am going to be taking a closer look at a very special non-native tree. Yes, today we are looking at the Christmas tree, a.k.a. Norwegian spruce, Norwegian spruce. The Norwegian spruce. Now, this episode was originally printed in an edited form for a traditionally politically right-leaning magazine that shall remain nameless, not solely because I'm slightly ashamed that I've written for a mag that was once edited by Boris Johnson, but because, in an otherwise glowing review for this series, they said that Bella's jingle was naff, which is so completely and utterly untrue. In part, this article was my way to stick it to the doubters out there that immigration is an utterly wonderful thing and that being non-native, tree or otherwise, can be incredibly stimulating for an indigenous population. After all, isn't Jesus from the Middle East? Weren't the three wise men crossing borders? Didn't Mary's donkey originate from the USA? All right, that last one's a little tenuous. The fact hidden there is that the oldest horse fossil we've ever found, a species from which 3.5 million years later donkeys eventually evolved, was found in what is now Idaho. So very loosely, donkeys came from America. Not that America was a thing then either. Anyway, this is my episode on the Christmas tree. I hope you enjoy it. Now Bella, with extra festive, extra naff Christmas bells, over to you. Secrets and stories beneath the 56-ish native trees of the British Isles. What makes a tree native, and culturally, does it matter? Following the end of the last ice age, some 11,700 years ago, birches and willows blew onto our barren land and took root. They were followed shortly after by the closest thing we have to a native Christmas tree, the Scots pine. But the Scots pine more resembles a giant piece of broccoli than something you could decorate with tinsel. Hazel, and by association its nuts that fill our Christmas comestibles, followed shortly after, but probably brought to Britain by Mesolithic man. Now, both the Scots pine and hazel are considered native British species. Another tree brought to our shores by human hands was the field elm, The Romans brought them to support their grapevines, but whereas hazel is considered native, the field elm is classified as a naturalised archaeophyte, a plant species which is not native but was introduced in ancient times. The Romans also brought their gastronomically delightful sweet chestnut with them, so along with their wine-producing grapevines, we owe much to the Romans at Christmas time, it seems. Now, the Norwegian spruce is the classic Christmas tree. But despite it being present in Britain during the last interglacial period and sitting in most of our front rooms come mid-December, it is not considered native. It never made its way back to Britain after the most recent thaw, waiting instead for human assistance in around 1548. But it wasn't until much later, in 1841, that Prince Albert brought a Norwegian spruce across from the European mainland to remind him of how he celebrated Christmas back in Saxe-Coburg and Gotha. Two recent arrivals, Tree and German Prince, conspired to embed the Christmas tree in what are now traditional British festivities. But... 
the Spruce's cultural impact on Britain predates even this. I am currently shooting Netflix's Vikings Valhalla, playing Godwin of Wessex, the father to the final Saxon king, Harold Godwinson. As well as doubling my appreciation for how life, both plant and axe-wielding Scandinavian, arrived on our shores, playing in 1016 has refocused my attention upon Viking tree worship. It seems to me that it was, in part, early Vikings who were responsible for placing a tree at the centre of our Christian wintry revelry. The Viking Midwinter Festival, Yolablot, celebrated the rebirth of the sun. It later became known simply as Yule. Now central to these celebrations was a Yule tree and a Yule log. The tree represented eternal life with its ever-present, evergreen needles, while the log, which was set alight, stood for the need for warmth in this world, something that is still very true. When King Harkon I of Norway began to Christianise the Nordic people in the 10th century, he rescheduled Yule to coincide with Christmas. The Yule tree was one of the pagan elements which blended easily with these new Christian festivities, and the Yule log remained too, sort of, although normally now coated in chocolate and dusted with icing sugar. It's highly likely that the Vikings used the Norwegian spruce for their Yolablot trees, but they put this spruce to other uses too. They made beer from the edible spruce leaf tips, which are incredibly high in vitamin C, and they loaded their longships with spruce beer, which helped to stave off scurvy. Similarly, when Captain Cook set sail for Australia and New Zealand, he too took spruce with him upon the HMS Endeavour. During the first 25 years of its life, the Norwegian spruce grows with a striking rapidity. It can grow up to one metre every single year, and as such possesses a beautifully straight grain. Spruce timber is a pleasant pale cream colour, often therefore being referred to as whitewood. It is very versatile, and as well as being used to celebrate Christmas, it is perfect for wooden flooring, for furniture and paper, and every year, 16 lorry loads of Norwegian and Sitka spruce from the Lake District are turned into the fences for the Grand National at Aintree. During the 1800s, boatloads of Norwegian spruce were shipped from Oslo to Cardiff to be used for pit props in Welsh coal mines. Such was the commercial interdependence of both the Welsh and the Norwegians that in 1868 the Marquess of Bute gave a plot of Dockland to the Lutheran Church of Norway. A church was built there, clad in white painted wood. It still stands and is known as the Little White Church. Now, one of its congregation, Harald Dahl of Sarpsborg, Norway, moved to Cardiff to set up a shipping firm to exploit the abundance of trade between the two countries. Harald's son, Roald, was to become one of our nation's greatest children's authors. Norwegian spruce helped to give us Roald Dahl. And it has also given us music. One genetic variant of the Norwegian spruce is known as the hazel spruce. Hazel spruce is recognised by UNESCO for its cultural heritage because it is a fantastic tonewood. Antonio Stradivari sought it out to make his legendary violins. There's even a hazel spruce forest in the Dolomites called the Foresta dei Violini, the Forest of Violins. So, regardless of whether the Norwegian spruce is native to Britain or not, the Norwegian spruce has given us divine music, dynamic children's literature, 
a chance to bully horses at archaic nationalistic endeavours such as the Grand National and the means to survive a lengthy naval voyage without succumbing to scurvy. And no single Christmas, Yule or Yolablot, would be complete without this tree. Shkol. Good Yule. Happy Christmas. Secrets and stories beneath the 56-ish native trees of the bridge.